0: What's
1: new? How is the world treating you? On behalf of Pastor Henry Harder and the Renewal Singers, I welcome you to another broadcast of What's New. I'm Ed Peters. We continue on today in Acts chapter 9, moving on to verses 36 through 42, the final verses of this chapter. These verses continue Luke's record of Simon Peter's ministry as he visits the believers that had come to Christ through the work of Philip. On our previous study, our focus was on Peter's stop in the town of Lydda, where he healed a man who had been paralyzed for eight years. Now Luke moves on to Peter's experience in the city of Joppa, and he writes as follows. In the city of Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated is Dorcas, a woman who was always doing kind things for others, especially for the poor. About this time she became ill and died. Her friends prepared her for burial and laid her in an upstairs room. But when they learned that Peter was nearby at Lydda, they sent two men to beg him to return with them to Joppa. This he did, As soon as he arrived, they took him upstairs where Dorcas lay. The room was filled with weeping widows who were showing one another the coats and other garments that Dorcas had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up and called in the believers and widows, presenting her to them. The news raced throughout the town, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed a long time in Joppa, living with Simon the Tanner. In the city of Jerusalem, a body had to be buried the day the person died. But outside of Jerusalem, up to three days might be allowed for burial. If burial was delayed, it was customary to lay the body in an upper room. This, no doubt, was why Peter was urged to hurry in order to arrive before the burial. It is significant that Peter chose to stay with Simon the Tanner, A tanner was involved in treating the skins of dead animals, thus contacting the unclean according to Jewish law. So he was despised by many. Peter's decision to stay with him shows already a willingness to reject Jewish prejudice and prepares the way for his coming vision and his mission to the Gentiles. Now here with our study
2: is Pastor Henry Harder. The city of Joppa earlier called Yapho, is the only natural harbor between Egypt on the south and Haifa, or ancient Akko, later Ptolemaeus, on the north. Here Peter raised to life Joppa's best social worker named Tabitha, or Dorcas. Joppa was located about 35 miles northwest of Jerusalem. Its two ancient springs supplied the city with water. The site is now called Jaffa, and is a suburb of Tel Aviv. Joppa was first mentioned in the Bible when Tutmosi of Egypt captured it in 1472 B.C. The city remained a key Egyptian administrative outpost along the Mediterranean coast. When Joshua's forces captured it, it became part of the territory of the tribe of Dan. That tribe, however, lost it to the Philistines, and Joppa became their northern seaport. David took it back, and Solomon used it to float the cedars down from Lebanon for the building of the temple. Ezra also used it for that purpose later. Jonah, of course, made it famous too when he fled there from the Lord's call to go to Nineveh. Instead, he took a ship bound for Tarshish. Later, Alexander the Great changed the name from Yapho, which means beautiful, to Joppa, in honor of the daughter of the Greek god of the wind. During the conquests of Herod the Great in 37 B.C., Joppa was taken by his forces. The city, however, hated him, and to spite them, he built a rival seaport 40 miles north at Caesarea. Joppa was one of the earliest places to have a Christian community, perhaps because of Philip's ministry there. At any rate, it was to this city that Peter came while he was ministering in the cities in the maritime plain of Sharon. Here is the story in the words of the historian Luke in Acts chapter 7, 36 and following. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated is Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, They sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them. And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with him. Peter sent them all out of the room. He got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. A woman in Joppa called Dorcas is known as a disciple of Christ. This is the only time in the New Testament that the feminine of this word disciple is used. Dorcas was her Greek name. Tabitha was her Hebrew or Aramaic name. Both mean gazelle. When she died, the other Christians remembered that Peter was nearby at Lydda, so they called for him. He came, entered the room where she lay, excused the widows who were mourning her death. He didn't touch her then to avoid ceremonial defilement, turned to her and said, perhaps in the Aramaic language, Tabitha kumi, which means Tabitha, get up. These words, except for one letter, were identical to the words of Jesus when he raised the daughter of Jairus. Jesus said, Talitha, kumi, little girl, get up. Well, Dorcas opened her eyes. Now Peter took her hand and helped her to her feet. As a result, many people believed in the Lord. Peter decided to stay in Joppa for some time. He stayed with Simon the Tanner. It's interesting that Luke should add that little detail here. The rabbis considered tanning an unclean trade. Evidently, Peter was not overly concerned about obeying Jewish traditions. So this verse forms a hinge to his ministry to a Gentile in the next chapter of this book. This prepares the way for Peter to take a further step to go to the house of Cornelius in Caesarea, who was a Gentile, It's interesting how the Holy Spirit leads. Let me close with that point. The Spirit leads in different ways, but He leads. The Holy Spirit led the disciples at Jerusalem to select Peter to go to Samaria. From there, the Holy Spirit led Peter to the edge of the plain of Sharon, to Lydda, to heal Aeneas. From Lydda, the Spirit led him to Joppa to raise Dorcas, and finally to Caesarea to bring the gospel to a Gentile. Remarkable. Nothing was happenstance. There was consistent progression toward a fixed goal. There were no mistakes or misleadings. I make this point because Christians have a flippant way of talking about the Lord's leading. God told me to do this, or God told me to do that. One man once told me how God had spoken to him and led him from one mistake to the next. But God doesn't work that way. David prayed, teach me to do your will. The basic secret to doing God's will is being willing to do it. Peter was, and the Holy Spirit never led him astray. Why should God fool anyone and lead him astray when that person is willing to obey? That would make no sense at all. He will lead those who want to be led. God's leading is always reasonable, progressive, purposeful, and goal-oriented, whether we understand it or not. Really, I don't need to understand.
1: Hold his hand. What's new is a radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Chapter California 93263, USA.